The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Siobhan McSweeney, your beloved sister, Michael, who we love and would be terrified of if, if she was to be in front of us. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, PJ. Yes, I'd be quite scared uh, of her as well. Thankfully, she isn't here, as when, far as I know. When you took on that role, Siobhan, did you expect her to become the megastar she became and the rolling of the eyes and the one-liners? What a script, what a character to get your teeth into. I know, right? Yeah, yeah, what a gift. I mean, that's sort of once in a lifetime, really. Um, I had no idea, absolutely no idea. Like... PJ, the nature of this business is that you can never tell what's going to be a hit and what isn't going to be a hit. All you do is that you try your best with every job. And I knew that these were amazing scripts and I knew that we were all throwing our hearts and souls into it. But the reaction was, um, you, you couldn't have imagined it. I still can't imagine it. You know, I still don't understand it in a way, but um, it's very lovely because it's been very positive. You know, people... Mm. When they come up to me, they, they usually have something really quite nice to say about it. And, um, yeah. do, do they roll their eyes and go, Christ? <laughs> yes, they do. But that could that could just be because of me. <laughs> no, that was always one of my favourites. Christ. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, and then, like, what do you think was the magic of Derry Girls? To the point where they now have their own mural in the city. I don't know. I think, I think... I th- the writing was amazing. I think when you're very specific about something, it actually ironically makes it more universal. So I get contacted from people in India and all over the world who who really connect with it. And you wouldn't think that a show set in the 90s in Northern Ireland would, would connect with, with, uh, with such an international audience. But that's the way it has. I also think that there was an audience waiting to show young women being fools, being the clowns themselves and not just being the, the arm candy, the frustrated mother or the eye-rolling girlfriend. These were the protagonists in their own lives. You know, I think I think there was an audience waiting for that of, of young women wanting to see that as well. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It's an X factor. The magic was when they put that statue in, in your hand. Um, <laughs> what, what a moment. Oh my God! What a moment is right. Yeah, yeah. I still, I still can't believe it. Um, I still can't believe it. It seems it, it, it was something I, I always wanted when I was a, a, a little girl and getting older and sort of wanting to be an actor. And mm. you know, it was a p- pretty spectacular moment. I'm not going to uh, lie. Uh, what your red carpet interview on the way in? Uh, I watched it again, and you wanted this so, so much, and to get it, this. You had, it looked like you had the speech already written. Well, when I got nominated, it was so unexpected that I made a promise to myself. The sort of natural inclination is to sort of um, undersell yourself and sort of to to put the head down and go, oh, sure, I don't care, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that, that would have been a lie. And I vowed to myself to enjoy every moment and every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And one of the aspects of it, one of the sort of great joys of being nominated is that if you win you get to thank all the people who have and give credit to so many people that have helped you along the way 
So, yeah, damn right I had a script written. Otherwise, it would have been three or four minutes of me going, uh, 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 which is very boring. And I would have missed out on an opportunity to thank the people closest to me who have helped me. So I made sure I had a script written. You ended up at one of the highlights of the BAFTAs because it's the one that they're playing over and over again was your acceptance speech, which play great homage to your Cork roots. You're a very proud Cork woman. You'll be back here for the Midsummer Festival and I'll talk about that in a second. But Graham Norton's wonderful series. I really enjoyed it and I really enjoyed you in it. That was to be to be back on your native soil doing a show like that. How important was that to you? This is holding that was really important. I loved the scripts. I loved playing the role of Breed down in West Cork. Uh, I mean, I, I come from Arhila, but my mum was from Bear and dad from Coulee. So I know that part of the country very well. And to tell a story and to play a part that I don't feel is often seen mm. um, on our screens and to celebrate how wonderful and beautiful Cork is. Uh, it was a dream come true, really. I'm very proud of that show. Very happy doing it. I only wish there was more done in Cork so that I could um yeah. I could I could offer my services. <laughs> it was a gorgeous piece of television. Some phenomenal storylines and acting and scenes. Yeah, very special and I think very spe- you know we had uh, Dominic Treadwell Collins, whose father is from that area and, you know, still spends so much of the year down there. Karen Cogan, another Cork woman who, who wrote the scripts as well. You know, like it, it felt there's a lot. What frustrates me is that there's lots of stories that haven't been told mm. and there are lots of um, characters that haven't been played. And this seems like a real chance to sort of do those things. There's more of it happening in Cork as well, which is great, and more of it going forward. Talk to me about the Midsummer Festival, Siobhan. You're back playing Beckett. Some change from from Sister Michael. You know, you say that, but Beckett loved a gag. He loved a joke. Mm. Um, I, and I, I, I think, if I'm honest with you, I think the so-called problem with Beckett is the received idea that people have that he's, you know, perhaps inaccessible and too highbrow and I think that's the fault of previous productions that have failed in showing the sort of great humour and humanity that he has in these scripts so hopefully I mean uh, you know I'm setting myself up for a fail here now but certainly myself and Katrina McLaughlin our intention and Landmark Productions intention in doing this is to show how accessible Winnie is. It's it's funny that you should say what you said because I would have said, oh, great, Siobhan McSweeney is going to be at the Midsummer Festival. I wonder what that's going to be about. And then Samuel Beckett goes, oh, Christ. You know. (laughs) (laughs) It's... I think, God, it's very annoying. It's, it, that's really annoying because there's there's great humour in life and yeah. wit. And, and, you know, he's been sort of taken over by the pseudo-intellectuals, you know. And there's actually, listen, come and see it, PJ. And if we have failed, I'll buy you a pint. It's a win-win situation. <laughs> it's, it's a short play and I, we are working very hard. And it says something to our experience now. It talks, I mean... 
whatever about before COVID, but to show a person stuck in the same routine day in, day out, feeling that the, that, that the you know, you're getting more and more trapped, that the water is getting higher and higher and higher. I mean, we all know what that feels after shielding and cocooning and oh, COVID and what have you. We still know what it feels. We still have that memory of it. It wasn't that long ago. And for so many people, it's still their reality now. Yeah. And if we can do that with a gag and a bit of a laugh, and a gin and tonic at the interval in the Cork Opera House. Sure, what's not to love? Why not? Why not? I think I might see you there. Good, good. L- lastly, come back to the, the the BAFTA speech, which I thought the funniest line was you said, uh, not to start with anything drab and dreary, as, I st- <laughs> as, <laughs> as you spoke to your mother on her deathbed. But, <laughs> but seriously, Siobhan, what do you think she'd make of it all, all these years later? Oh, I know, I know. Like... Oh, it's so like when I won, you know, my friends and, and neighbours and everybody who'd have known her and family and stuff, we were all sort of thinking that. And my dad, of course, and my, my, my aunt who's passed away as well, what they'd be thinking. I think I think they'd be roaring with laughter, if I'm honest with you. My mother would be laughing at how, how you know, nobody, nobody could see this coming, least of all me. So I don't think she'd have seen it coming. Um, so hopefully she's she's laughing, laughing somewhere. Hopefully she is. And what would Sister Michael say, I wonder? <laughs> she wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> I can assure you. And she'd, she'd probably be rolling have a- her eyes somewhere and drinking a whiskey. She'd, she'd probably have a killer one-liner for it. Siobhan, That's it. a pleasure and thank you. And I'll see you at the Opera House. Uh, thank you so much, PJ. Mind yourself. You too, Siobhan. Have a great week. Running at the Opera House for the week with the Midsummer Festival opening on the 14th, which is tomorrow. Uh, five performances of Happy Days by Samuel Beckett. I think I might try and get myself in there uh, before the weekend. I'd love to see what she does with it, because she's right. A lot of the Beckett stuff was taken over by the, the pseudo-intellectuals. Quartz 96 FM.